Welcome to the Beautiful Step Podcast, where we run, stomp, tiptoe, and tango into the confusing, but beautiful world of togetherness. We are your hosts, Chris and Charity. Now, let's go make our together even, even better. Okay, no one ever makes it big in a small town. I would agree with that. Really? Well, yeah. I mean, you have an anomaly like Jewel who came out of Homer, Alaska. Come on. Yeah, but she had to leave Homer, Alaska to make it big. She didn't make it big when she was in Homer, Alaska. Really? No one knew of her then. Oh, yeah. I guess you're right. I mean, I did listen to her on what? Joe Rogan. And... I think she went to Seattle. Like at the same time the grunge scene was happening. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. Anyway. So no one makes it big in a small town. And... What's crazy is like Jacob and Chelsea were here last week. Wenlow. Yep. Shout out. Um, and they're moving from Atlanta to LA. Yes. And my prediction, mm-hmm. let's just do it on video right here. Okay. My prediction, Predict it. my prediction is that within a year, they'll probably have a million followers. Yeah. They're already at like, 200,000 Instagram yeah, followers. Yeah, they're just crushing yeah. the game on that. But they're getting a lot of opportunity to play with bigger artists and go on tour and stuff. Right. Yeah. And I, okay. So I based that. Mm-hmm. on Ralph Costelli. Yes. Because I watched Cole mm-hmm. go from, you know, the, the the hard struggle in Australia, you know, creating Ralph Costelli, all the albums, to moving in LA, sleeping in his car, and his career absolutely <laughs> took off. Am I right? He was sleeping in Airbnbs, but yeah. Yeah. He had a moment. He did have moments of That's like a know. proud father moment. Like, yeah. I'm like, you know what, man? You did what it took. You, yeah. You're hard, brother. Well, he went, I, you know, I think Sydney's a big town, right? But it's not necessarily a music town, even though he went to music school there. Hey, ACDC came out of Australia. Okay. Well. ABBA. Didn't, I mean, ABBA, even if they didn't, let's just say they came out of Australia. Absolutely epic. I'm not really an ACDC fan, but ABBA, sure. Yeah. <laughs> what? But, you know, hey. You but yeah, I think sense. you're right. Like Cole, the move from yeah. Anchorage, Alaska to... LA essentially after college yeah. was the thing that really catapulted his career. And there's why though, like walk me through, I know we've been talking about it, but give me again, give me like some actual reasons here. Yeah. And I want to talk about this because we were talking with Jacob and Chelsea about this as they're making this big move and we're predicting that they're just going to blow up. Right. And they knew they had to make the move. They were kind of pushed into a corner of like, if you need to take it to that next step, like mm-hmm. you can only get so far in Atlanta, which is known for like, as my understanding is more hip hop genre and that kind of thing. If you want to make it big, you're going to have to take the leap to somewhere else where people are doing kind of what you're doing. Right. And we were telling them this. Yeah. Because and they were getting input. People were, people were telling, not just us, but other people were telling them. Oh yeah. That yeah. they would have to go probably to to LA to, to make it big. And so, but it came on the heels, like they came and stayed for a few days on the way to LA. And it came on the heels of me having just finished this incredible book. I love it. Like probably my favorite book I've read this year so far, most influential book of my life. All right. Give us the name and title. We're going to put it in this description. Stephen Johnson's, uh, where good ideas come from. Yeah. Absolutely life-changing book. Where good ideas come from. Yeah. If you're creative at all, like, and I'm not just saying like a typical creative, but if you're, if you're a person who is entrepreneurial or innovative or creative in your thinking and you kind of like those type of things, this is a must read for you for sure. Okay. Um, but it's a fascinating book. And I was t- telling Jacob and Chelsea about the concept and some of the things that were, and I even took out my notebook. This is like a notebook 
I have many of these. They all are the same color. <laughs> and I write in them every morning as I read, you know, the notes and takeaways. Okay. How many books did you read last year? Oh, I don't know. I always read about 100. But <laughs> but this book was so good. And I made, I mean, there's pages and pages and pages of notes from that book okay. in here. And I believe the concepts really apply to them. And, and probably other people might find it helpful as well, because for me, it was really mind-blowing. Okay. Give me the concept. Okay. So it starts out, he starts out the book with this crazy thing that I had never heard of. I didn't pay much attention in science class. I don't know <laughs> if you did. I was terrible at science. But he starts out with this thing, Max Kleber, who is like a scientist in the 50s, um, is basically, I think he was at UC Berkeley, maybe, he was trying to do a formula for agriculture feed. So he was trying to be able to tell farmers, oh, right. how much feed are you going to have to buy for this size cattle and how much meat will it produce at the end? So that right. they would be able to predict like, okay, this amount of feed produces this amount of meat. Right. They're like, look, you want to sell 600 pounds of beef? It's going to take 40 pounds of grain or 4,000 pounds of grain. That's right. the, that was the problem. Yeah. yeah. So what he figured out and actually, because what he, what came to discover, right, is that metabolism slows down as an organism gets larger. Okay. Say that again. Metabolism slows down as an organism gets larger. Is, okay, stop. I, this is tangential. Is it? That is why, I mean, it's kind of hard for people who are really, you know, overweight to lose weight maybe or what? Well, yeah, your metabolism slows. Or wait, you get heavier and heavier and heavier quicker maybe. Right. Because your metabolism has really crashed. Well, totally. The bigger right? you I mean, get. that's yeah, the, not uh, even just the bigger, the older, you know, like all those things play. Yeah. But yes, that's the one of the The bigger you get, the, yeah, you can get bigger and bigger exponentially. Right. Yes. So, but what they did when studying all these mammals, and they started out just believing it was about mammals, but now it's called the Kleiber's Law or Kleber's Law. I don't know how you say his name, but, um, and what it does is it proves that actually there is a certain scaling that happens. So let's say hmm. a mouse is 10 times smaller than a cat or a hundred times smaller than a cat. Okay. 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 A mouse is a hundred times smaller than a cat, right? Okay. Well, let's just, I yeah, yeah, I love it. Go. Okay. Let's say it, that it is. Well, it doesn't need a hundred times the amount of food. The cat doesn't need a hundred times the amount of food as the mouse. Oh, it right. actually doesn't. So it's not a one for one ratio. It's so they need 75% or 70% roughly three quarters, 75% of the same feed to keep the metabolism going. Aha. So this is what they discovered, right? Is that every mammal or every mammal that has, you know, every mammal that has a heart has about a billion heartbeats in its life. Okay. Okay. Really small things, even like flies or little small, you know, insects or small animals have really fast heartbeats. Yeah. It's like, eh, eh, eh. yeah. Compared to like an elephant who has a very slow heartbeat. Or a grizzly bear. Like, yeah. Exactly. Ta tangential. You're in the Alaska wilderness. A bear comes up on you. You shoot the bear. It runs up after you for a while. Because Be it's still. Because the, the heart only beats like. Once a minute or something like this. Crazy. Yeah. So the idea is that we all have about a billion heartbeats in our lifetime. And all mammals. All, all of us. And the fact that your heartbeat is, is beating faster is doesn't mean that you have less heartbeat. It actually means you have the same amount of heartbeats. It's just you're using them up faster. So you have a shorter lifespan. 
This is why, okay. which was like, which is why, and maybe people who paid attention to science knows this, I didn't, but, you know, a fly might live five days, but an elephant's going to live 50 years. Wow. Because the, like, the speed at which their heart is beating yeah. is using up their lifespan a lot faster. Sure. We notice this even in life, like, if you, if you, if your heart is beating faster or harder because you have bad health blood pressure all that stuff like your your resting heart rate is higher yeah, lance armstrong had i think what was it a resting heart rate of like 48 beats a minute or something just chilling out and yeah. most people are like like healthy people are 65 or something or 60 i don't know what it is but it's remarkably different yes so and everyone knows lance armstrong's gonna live way past unless I mean, somebody kills him for lying all the time but <laughs> I'm not saying that's not, I'm not advocating for that. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> yes, for his health, absolutely. Yes, that right? was just like, being you, you being funny. I'm just feeling silly. Yeah. But the idea is that, right, it's the amount of time it takes you to use up those same heartbeats. Got you. So he takes this and he says, okay, so if we know, even in plants, that it's going to take something that's 100 times larger only about 70% of the energy is needed for that scale. Yeah. So they called it negative quarter power scaling. So every time you scale up that amount, you're not going to do a one-for-one one scale. It's going to be like three quarters of the scale. So gotcha. negative quarter power scaling, Kleiber's law. That was really mind-blowing to me because I didn't know any of that stuff. Right. But then this crazy thing happens, and I, I wrote down his actual name. There was a scientist that came along, and he's actually like a, I think a physicist, Jeffrey West. And he said, okay, do we think that this law, this was much later on than the 50s, but he said, do we think that we could apply this law to The like, quarter scaling law? The negative quarter power scaling. Yeah. Do we think we could apply the same law to large metropolitan areas? Could we say that if we like took you know, inventory of everything that was happening in a large city, if the city got larger, will it slow down? And I would say yes in so many ways. Yes. Yeah, so so what, many ways. So what he did was he said, okay, let's take everything from the length of the like uh, gas lines to the, you know, light systems to every system, the traffic, the road mileage, yeah, yeah, all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Take all those systems and then say- Not to mention decision making right. as a, you know, poly yeah, politicians and, you know, well, bureaucracy right. you and all that stuff. It just goes- the bigger something like that gets. Exactly, right? Yeah. You think, well, the bigger a bureaucracy gets, the slower it gets. But oh, we've all kind of recognized Good Lord. That this I mean, try the... running a business with more than seven or eight people. Like, yeah. Forget it. So he thought, okay, I wonder if Max's law or Kleiber's law, Kleber's law will actually be the same. It'll be the same mathematical equation because when we're looking at even down to the cellular level, this applies, this negative course power scaling applies. Can we look at it in these systems? So what he did was he mapped them out. Like they took like 200 cities around the globe, large metropolitan areas. And they said, oh, okay, let's measure this. Are they getting slower? Right. Sure enough, same mathematical equation applied. It was, if you build out cities, all their infrastructure, the larger they get by that same amount of scale, are going to be like slowed down by the same sure. rate. The quarter, the quarter power negative scale. quarter right. scale. Yeah. So that's, we think, okay, well, that makes sense. Sure. It totally makes sense. Uh, what was really interesting, though, is they also measured things that had to do with innovation. So they measured things like patents applied for and 
uh, music produced and amount spent on PR or like uh, R&D budgets. And they did all these other things, anything related to innovation. They also mapped things like crime and other things like this. And they said, does the same thing apply if it's larger? Does it, you know, does it apply to innovation creativity? What they found was anything related to actual innovation and ideas or the spreading of something. Mm -hmm. It was the exact opposite. What do you mean? It was a positive quarter power scaling. So it's faster. Much faster. Ding, 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 ding. So get this. I mean, this was like my, I actually wrote down this crazy stats. Listen to this. A city that's 10 times larger. Okay. Isn't 10 times more creative. It's 17 times more creative as measured by things like patents, things produced, innovations, inventions, all that kind of stuff as measured 17 times more. So it's not just one for one. It's It's one and a quarter, baby. One and and three quarter. And then it's it's like a little (laughs) bit different than the, than the quarter. Right. But it's the opposite direction. And then they get this, a city that's 50 times larger than a small town is not 50 times more creative. It's 130 times more. Yo. This is the one that really, I was so floored. Okay, go. The average resident of a large metropolitan area, like a, a big city with more than five, five, five million or more people. Okay. The average resident there, as measured by those production things like innovations, budgets. Scientific. Scientific creativity. Proof. Like actual production is three times, the average resident is three times more innovative than the average resident of a town of 100,000 people. Just the average, re- like one guy is, one girl three is- Three times more innovative than the average resident of a town of a, of a person of oh, 100,000 wow. people. That to me was like, kind of, I think what we're talking about is it explained to me why our son had to move from Anchorage, Alaska, a town of 250,000 people to Los Angeles, a town of millions and millions of people. And why that naturally made him more successful in the area where he was like, he was still working at the same, like he was still working a lot, Mm -hmm. but just being in the area actually catapulted, made him more innovative. And it's like his, it's like his effort counted Three times more. Yes. Wow. And here's why I think that happens. And we, this is important for us to understand because we have done this. We have started record labels, had production companies, um, you know, like recording studio. Like you've sewed into this stuff a lot. So we understand what it's like to try to do things like that. It was, you know, it was a mom and pop shop, you know, supporting local artists, doing everything we can for the local community. 100%. 100%. We've tried to start a creative collective, which was sure. as successful as it probably could be in a town that size. Yeah. And what I'm realizing now is like, that's the reality of it. That's the scientific proof is it's as successful as something can be in a town that size. And you want to say that that shouldn't be the case. Well, everybody I'm, wants this like out of nowhere hometown hero guy who's, you know, I mean, this is definitely, a, you know, an Americana idea, like some guy out there working in a field and he's swinging some sort of hatchet and he's like, yeah, how did you know he was going to be the next Babe Ruth or something? Yeah. Like, you know, no. Yeah. 
Right. Usually not going to happen. Usually not going to happen. Or he might be discovered there, but in order for him to actually get to where he's going to be, end up being. They always take him out of the woods and put him in a, yeah. Yeah. So this is important. And I think that, but it is important for relationships. And that's why like, I wanted to talk about it because it really does change how we see things and how we should operate. And here's where I want to go with it. Um, if you think about it, we think of ideas as, and this is this book brilliantly talks about this, mm-hmm. Stephen Johnson's book. He says, we think of ideas as like the Einstein, you know, the light bulb moment. Epiphany. Where it's like, yes, epiphany. Epiphany. All of a sudden, somebody gets this brilliant idea. You know, Elon Musk just like thought of electric vehicles. And that yeah. was like the first thing, you know. If you don't know anything about that, you would think, but that's the first thing that happened. But we think about that way about innovation all the time. We think, or creativity, we're like, somebody just came up with this crazy, brilliant idea. And like, we're all waiting for our next huge, like, light bulb Right, 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 right. And he makes the point in this book that that is not how any innovation happens. Usually, actually, it's just the next nudge. It's not a leap. It's a nudge. Because... It's the next person who was able to put together the thing off the person that was before them. So, you know, YouTube wasn't able to figure out actually how to launch YouTube until someone else figured out how to enhance streaming to the level where it could go fast enough for YouTube to have a channel. And so YouTube was like, wait, streaming? Wait, powerful data uh, processing? Like, what if we put a, you know, a movie or something on here yeah yeah so his point was that it's not that one person has this great idea usually what's happening is that there's enough people around watching the innovation happen that usually three or four people in different areas will be getting that next nudge and then one person will just kind of be the first person to put it out there mind blown right now because my brother-in-law who is a successful architect now he and his frat friends at the very beginning of like what felt like the beginning of the internet almost. It was in the early 90s. It was in the early, early 90s. They got together and they, I mean, these guys were all graduates of UW. So, you know, they- Smart guys. Yeah. And instantly that gives you credit on the West Coast if you graduated, you know, uh, UW. And they got together and they put this thing together called PhotoZone. And what they would do is send people to parties with cameras, take pictures of people, and then they would bring them back and upload them on the internet and people could buy the photos. Yes. And you it, could you could get a log on for the party and then you could go and like You download, could log yeah. on and you could download your photo, you pay for the photos. Genius. It was mm-hmm. absolutely genius. And it was like they got all these investors and everything like that. And 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 here's my it's obviously gone. Right. I mean, you know, and here's my contention is I would I have to believe that that was one of those nudges along the way that made what Facebook would it is now, Instagram. right? I mean, those yeah, are Instagram, of all of those those things. That's how ideas work, right? Yes. I mean, I want us to be original. I want us to be creative. I mean, even the word creative, like that people use for themselves is a little presumptuous because it's like, yeah, you're more of a combiner. Than yes. You, you're more of a collabor than you are the creator. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're creative. Like I... I I've we're always struggled creative. with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're all creative, right? And and the art of life and the art of creativity really is so much of like, what are you doing with it, with what you have in front of you? 
Yes. It's so important. Yeah. You're, you're only going to be able to string together different thoughts. You're not going to create all new thoughts in a string. You're right. going to string together a bunch of other thoughts that are not new and maybe add a little twist to it to make it a new innovation. Yeah, it's like God would look at you and be like, where were you when I created electricity? Thinking like, you know, you, you're so good at the electric guitar or something. It's like, wait, this is an amalgamation and it's a network, right? Yes. There's no such thing as like just some solo idea. It's like ideas are collective sort of networks. Yes. That's exactly it. And what I love about what he says in the book is he says, you need to consider it as your adjacent possible. Ooh, what? Meaning what is next to you is what's going to be possible. The people who are not next to the next step, they're mm. not in the proximity of the next step. Oh, right. They're the ones everybody looks at and says they were too early to the game. Like they had an idea, but like they're jump. like we don't have, we don't have a way to make that. They're two steps ahead. Whoa. They're ahead of their time, he says, which is what we call them. We always call it ahead of their time. But as soon as the next step is built, then what they had thought of could be built on that, right? So he calls it the adjacent possible. Like basically you have to be in an environment where somebody is thinking of that next step that you haven't quite put together yet that you can then build on. Uh -huh. But if you're not in the proximity of people that are thinking that way, you're not going to discover your adjacent possible. And that's that, really, really, really key. That is the thing I think that we don't understand about relationships even. Wow. The reason more people can find their soulmates or whatever else with dating apps is because your pool of people just got very large. You could meet somebody that you would never have met in your normal proximity. You're looking at your thing and you're like, yo, I'm getting three times as lucky as yeah. I ever did back home. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like... All of a sudden, your critical mass of what's possible opens mm. up. And he brought out this great point in the book. And I thought that this was really interesting. And I noticed this, especially when we lived in a small town, is it's like, you might have somebody who's really interested in a subgenre of things. Like we had a, a dear friend who was like a really, he was talented and he still is a talented you know, but really into making horror movies, like filming horror movies, which oh, yeah. is definitely a subgenre in a small town, right? You know, amateur photo or like filmmaker. Yeah. I mean, we had talks where it's like, dude, if you, you know, if you want to go on a date, don't lead out with the horror film thing, <laughs> right? Put yeah. on something other than a black shirt. But yeah. You're but beautiful, man. Yeah. Like, seriously, go to your nice side for a sec. And well, then maybe she's into it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> maybe you guys like sharpen axes or something. But there, I don't know. there's a whole genre of people that are into that. But there's not a big genre of people that are into that in Anchorage, Alaska. Which is why I gave him my advice. <laughs> Go somewhere where there's lots. But this is the beautiful thing. The internet. I mean, because you, you need, basically, right. in order for something to take off in a genre, you have to have enough critical mass, meaning enough people in there mm. for it actually to catch on. You need enough people around that circle around you, thinking like you, liking the same things like you, for it actually to start to spread. Wow. And for relationships to be built, you need to find enough of your people, right? Your belonging, right? Yes. Your sense of contribution. Your right? connectedness. You're like, ah, they get me. I get them. Like, Yeah, there's nothing worse than being in a small town lonely because no one understands me. And every, I mean, everybody has that feeling sure. of loneliness or misunderstood or, you know, they'll catch it. You know, they're going to catch up to where I'm at. I mean, it's truly, you know, there's, but what you're saying is, there's a place for you, right? Like there's like, you can get there if you would go to 
where the pool is larger, right? Yes, where the pool is Where larger. the network is more vibrant. How's yeah, that? Like, yeah, yeah. You have more of ideas on the table. You have more people on the table. You have more everything that you can More possibility of, right next to you, right yes, in front of you. Right, right adjacently adjac possible. Yeah, I love yeah. that. That's super so, good. The cool thing is that we have all noticed, and, and this phenomenon is like, I often wonder as somebody who reads a lot or looks at things, I'm always looking to like maybe uh, criteria for why somebody has gotten the fame that they've gotten or like what have they actually done or accomplished. Of course. And so sometimes the like skeptic in me is like, how did this person on TikTok who actually like doesn't, they don't have any education in this area or like anything like, and all of a sudden they're really famous and everybody's listening to them about this topic. And that's like such a phenomenon to me. Like, this is really weird. Hey, the age of the self-appointed expert, we are in. We are in it. But it's not even just self-appointed. I think the thing that's most alarming or surprising to me in my like old school thinking is that they're not self-appointed. Hmm. The public the critical mass has appointed them to be that expert. Why do we have people that are now very, very famous, now doing things, who've never actually done anything significant in that category? They haven't written books. They don't teach conferences. They don't have a PhD in that. But all of a sudden, they're the expert. And they were, they're not the expert because they said they're the expert. They're the expert because they found a critical mass of people that are buying what they're selling. Wow. And that's the beauty of what the internet has done, is it well, is it's now. Well, it's both the beauty and the tragedy. Because what you can do is have a bunch of people who like are possibly very naive. Mm -hmm. um, they have uh, some maybe even twisted ideas collectively. Yeah. Um, that kind of stuff absolutely, absolutely happens. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which is why it's it's... It's both beautiful and dangerous at the same time. Exactly. Right. But either way, they're getting to their next possible. Yes. If we're talking about like success of getting their ideas out there, yeah. getting their innovation out there, getting their thoughts out there to be built, it's that kind of like you find your critical mass just by getting enough out there to find your people to collect to you. That's so good. To then appoint you. Yeah. And you all, it works that way in relationships too, right? Like, let's be honest. When we talk about relationships, you have so many more relationships than just love relationships. You've got work relationships and school relationships and family relationships and so many friendships. Yes. And, you know, past friendships. Exactly. People you've just met. Yeah. And no one would argue with the fact that you are going to have more of those and be a more successful. What? More relationships? Yes. You're going to be a more successful person or able to reach more and do more the more connections you have mm -hmm. in those areas. Meaning the more you're able to put your stuff out there and connect to more people, the farther you're going to get with where you're actually intending to go. Every single time I meet someone and interact with them, my life changes. Yes. Every single time. And it may be significant and it may be insignificant. Mm -hmm. Just met a guy. We, I don't know if you were looking at some sort of ad calendar or something. We went to a car show because we have a 1969 Chevy. And we met a guy there who, and his wife, who are just, they're fabulous people. Yep. They're from New York. We went to dinner. I did some leather work for him on his interior. 
and I finally fixed the brakes on my Chevy and I polished it. That's it. And, and all of that came out of just that one interaction with them. Like it, it changed my life. It right. changed part of my life. We're going on a cruise. We're going on a cruise in like three weeks. And, uh, JJ's going to be there. Rob Green's going to be there. Ron's going to be there. And you were asking me, Hey, are you looking forward to it? And my, the thing that came to my mind is every time I interact with people, yeah, my life changes. Yes. I'm looking forward to seeing how that works out with when I'm talking to Rob Green over a, you know, yes, over a glass of wine or whatever. Because they have to different relationships. Exactly. The network is just like boom, and it so that's your- what I, I love what, about what you're saying is, if you value creativity, if you value any sort of like innovation, growth, growth, if you value those kinds of mm-hmm. things in your life, then you have to value relationships. Yes. I mean, you have to start to, and that that's the part of me that if I could go back and do anything over, mm. I would be much more responsive and interactive in my relationships. In wow. fact, a friend of mine emailed me the other day and I've been working super hard out in, um, out in Alaska. And it's like, once I get in work mode like that, I can't, I just have the mm. hardest time keeping up with anything else besides Look, I'm going till 10:30 at night because I'm trying to get this roof put on this house, you know. Yeah. And we had talked earlier in the summer, "Hey, I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'll send you photos or whatever." I did none of that. I did mm. none of that. And he emailed me. He's like, "Listen, asshole." <laughs> like He was probably nicer than No, that, he was yeah. he actually said that. Mm. And he, and he was like, "The way that you don't talk to people has consequences." Wow. And if you do this your whole life, mm-hmm. you're going to end up pretty lonely. Wow. He's such a good friend for saying such that. Such a good friend. I called him an old bitch and we went back and forth. <laughs> and so it was just But that. it was a good reminder yes. to you. And what happened this year and like you and us talking about this, this whole, it, it's like, oh my goodness. If I could have seen just my own selfishness and even with my own selfishness, the incredible impact of mm. maintaining relationships and the the depth to who I would become or you know my contribution to even bigger ideas like all of that it that in my mind is so what life is about it's what creativity is about it's what contribution is about it's what legacy is about it's all of that like I want to high five as many people as I can yes when I'm like 80 yeah and we're all looking at each other like whoa yeah we change the world, folks. Yeah, I don't know. That's just me. No, I, that's really... I don't I mean to preach, but that is so vivid mm-hmm. in my brain right now. All of these things are coming together for me. Yes. Yeah. And that's what I think I realized in reading this book, is that it's actually scientific. It's scientific. That's the beauty. It's scientific that if you want more influence, mm. if you want more reach... If you want more growth, if you want more ideas, if you want to be a person that like can get your stuff out there, your thoughts, your, you know, your emotion, like if you want to find your people, you actually will have to go to a place either virtually or in location where you can find enough critical mass to find that. Yes. Because it will not happen without that. You will not 
be able to grow all your thoughts if you're not around people who are thinking about innovation in the same areas you're thinking about right. innovation. It simply won't work. So the notion, the thought that you can stay in your little Hobunk town, but then make it big, or that you can do all these things, I'm just saying, science says otherwise. Sure. You're going to have to connect to a larger network no matter what. It doesn't work the other way. Right. And you're going to get connected to the larger network any either way if it's that you know if it's that important but that's man that's a really i love that reality yes that is a truth that is really inescapable yes it's just so cool to think about it like that because then you can kind of take the emotion out of it and like you can try to stop being the anomaly who's like going to be the one who and you can just go actually if i probably need to take this i need to get enough out there and so yeah. When I was reading this book, yeah. I just kind of like want to share with you, this is my takeaways from me reading the book, like my, this, this is, is what how you, I think. Or, this is what you wrote down in your, your green, one of 500 green journals. <laughs> <laughs> I like green. That's why I did it that way. But I love it. Um, these were my takeaways for my own self about like, Charity, if you want to grow in an area, this is what you're going to have to do. Bring it. Or these are the thoughts you need to kind of keep in mind. Drop it. Okay. Ready? You need to live or be physically in the location where people do what you want to do. For me. That's you. That's anybody. I think these apply to anybody. But I, okay. wrote them, I wrote them like as my own takeaways. Okay. But I believe, given the science, that you do need to live or be somehow connected to people that are doing what you want to do. You have to, you know, Tony Robbins says, find the person who's doing what you want to do and just emulate them. Right. Right. But it's the same concept. Like be following on social media, the people doing what you want to do, like somehow be attached to them. Right. And I think that's yourself. a really good, I, I, the back to the Tony Robbins comment, I've mm -hmm. been given the same advice where you, 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 I think you do need to pick or you, you do need to identify those people who you know, there was a, a, a time in my life where, you know, I wanted to write more and mm. I wanted to be, you know, profound in it, you know, mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. And I remember one of one of our boys asking us, can you point to anybody who, who you would like to be like? Mm. Just point to like a writer. And then it was like, oh, man, that's really good advice. Yes. Dr. Seuss, man. Like <laughs> <laughs> Minus the racism. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Right, I forgot yeah. all about mm -hmm. that. Yeah. But no, I mean, that's... But the, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. point to, you know, C.S. Lewis or whatever, mm -hmm. or, you know, point to Walt Whitman, you yeah. know, or whoever it might be. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't have to be everything about that person, but know who, what the people you want to do, what they're doing, where they are. Yeah. Like for me, for instance, it's like, if I want to be involved in federal child welfare law, I'm going to have to go where there's think tanks about federal child welfare laws. And they're not in... A lot of places. I'm, yeah. That means mostly you're going to be, you know, in San Fran or on the East Coast. You know, you got to go where people are thinking like you. That's so good. And okay, so again, back to C.S. Lewis and writing and creativity. It was, I mean, I, I think I watched a movie. Or I know I heard. I know this is a fact. I'll have to fact check it. But he and 
the writer of The Hobbit, J.R.R. Yes, Tolkien. Yes, they would get together. And it's like those, and it was like, there was like a third guy, I can't remember. They, it was a study group. They had yeah, a study group. In a coffee shop. Talk mm-hmm. about network of ideas. I mean, now The Hobbit comes out in yep. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and The Chronicles they of Narnia, like and The Lord stuff. of the Rings, yep. and like, wait, what? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Point taken, Cher. This yeah. is beautiful. Okay. The second one was seek, and there's 10 of these. Okay, ready? So oh, number two is seek out, be friends with, and follow people that are doing what you want to do. Same concept, yep. right? Not just be in proximity, but seek them out, follow them, emulate them. Comment on their stuff, mm-hmm. get to know them, try hard to interact. I yes. love it. Okay, okay number Next. three. Claim your identity. And here's what I mean by this. Be an artist, entrepreneur, inventor, writer, etc. Just saying that doesn't, like, those things don't necessarily have standards. You could just say, well, I'm a writer. And I'm like, okay, but how do I know you're a writer? Right. Well, if you write. Yeah. Then I know you're a writer. I always say that all the time. There's so many people. I'm a creative. Okay. Show me anything you've created. Exactly. I'm an artist. Where's your art again? Like, mm-hmm. that, I, I get it, but there is something to be said for a, not just a theorist, but a practitioner. Yes. You're going to be much more believable if you say you're an artist, if you have some art. Exactly. Yeah. I, I keep thinking of, and I know that this is a different thing, but I always think of that Forrest Gump line, like stupid is as stupid does. <laughs> well... Creative is as creative does. Yeah. Innovation. Does being the key, sort of keyword. Yeah. Like yeah. if you actually want to be that thing, then own your identity and be that. Create the things that are actually going to make you that. Which is risky, vulnerable, yep. hard, but beautiful. In order to do something, in order to be something, you have to do something. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Go. Okay. Number four. You have to put enough out there to be seen and recognized. Ooh. So in other words, those people that made it big on TikTok or Instagram or whatever, they had to put enough content. Yeah. One thing of content does not actually get you the critical mass. It might get you a short flash, but in order to have the critical mass and the critical reach and impact, you're going to need to put enough content out for it to reach all of the people in actual depth and breadth that you need it to, to make true connections. Yeah. I've noticed um, just now having a son in the music career. There is such a thing as, um, in, I think he calls it an evergreen song. Mm. So within all of your content, a lot of times one thing or a small amount of your of everything you put out will be sort of your bread and butter. The thing that really is like, that's remarkable about you. That's what most people connect to. But I love what you're saying. You have to continue. I mean, content is king used to be cash is king now it's, no, it's content, content is, is king i love that 100 percent. yeah yeah absolutely yeah so the new to, the new rich is content creators right yes yeah. yeah you have to put enough out there for it to be seen and for you to find your critical yeah. mass okay um this idea number five of fake it till you make it well actually i think it's more of like you have to have an element of that and kind of get over your imposter syndrome but the real thing is that you actually the people that are going to be most successful are the ones who are going to be upfront and ask other people that they admire for help because people do want to help people. Yeah. But you have to put yourself out there. And the thing I think that's cool about Instagram and all that stuff now is like there is a real person on the other end of that DM mm. and they will yeah. respond. Yes. And you yep. can now, the middleman has a lot of times been removed. You yes. can directly message people and all that kind of stuff, which is cool. That's a new option for adjacent possibility for proximity to who you want to be read the read the statement one more time what was this one uh be up front and people will lead a hand don't you don't need to always fake it till you make it you can actually ask for help right and i would add to that a lesson that i learned i can't remember from who 
but perfection is just never get anything done. Exactly. Like if you're waiting for it to be perfect, that's it's that's not what's going on with you. Typically, what it is is you're just scared. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, number six, there are real people attached to those accounts. Reach out and don't be a troll. Obviously, oh, trolls. I don't even get me started on the cowardice of people. But yeah. uh, number seven. See every person and thought as a connection point you need. That's what we just talked about. I love this. So important. For me, I just keep thinking, and that was the good reminder. It's like every person you meet, every thought that they have is like that added, like, oh, I never thought of it that way. And that will then be a connection for what I'll need in the future. So I'm going to take all of that. It changes the direction, the very direction of your life. Yes. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future, right? That whole process is absolutely true. Every interaction you have with a person will change the course of your life. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love it. And you can harness that. You can like. Oh, yeah. You can direct that. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can choose that. Yes. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Harness the magnitude of the virtual. We've already talked about that. Harness the magnitude. Understand that you have so much reach because you now have a virtual self that can be reaching the rest of the world that you never you know when i looked at our spotify thing the other day you know here we are this little hobunk we got you know hardly any people that listen to us you know content is king we're just going to keep working exactly but when it said like people listen in seven countries i thought what other place would that be a possibility there's no other world we lived in that except this one right now (laughs) right where it's possible yeah but it is possible so cool adjacently possible yes um, and I like this thought. Don't consider yourself an outcast. Consider yourself someone who hasn't yet connected with your people. Mm. Stop considering yourself the person who is the other. And just understand that you haven't found the others of your other. Wow. And look for them. Because there are lots of people who dig the same things you do. But maybe you haven't put yourself out there to find them yet. And you should. Did that happen to you? Yes. That's totally. So cool. When when totally. you work what like working, Yeah, like I, you know working on your doctorate or what? Yeah, I'm just kind of nerdy about like policy things. You know, this is an interesting thing because I'm kind of nerdy about like policy or not necessarily politics, but like how systems work and management and organizational structure. And like I only had a couple of friends in my life before that I could talk, like females, that I could talk to those things about. It was re- always really hard for me to be able to connect on that stuff with many women because most women are like, this is so freaking boring. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I might have a couple of friends. But then connecting now to, like, lots of policy people around the country, mm. I realize, like, I'm not a freak. There's lots of people who totally dig talking about that stuff as much as I do. And I didn't know that they really existed. Women. Women. Yeah. Where I'm like, sharp. This is I mean, super. Sharp this women, is dude. super fun to like sit and nerd out for like. Yeah. You know when we would get together for school or whatever, it's like we could nerd out for hours and hours and days on stuff that no one else in the world could give a heck about, but you know we did, and right. it was fun to find those people and not feel like I was like the weirdo who wanted to talk about that stuff. I love it. Yeah, so fun. Because you did. I mean, I would say just, you know, observing you, that was a struggle for you. Totally. You felt a little lonely in not only, you know, the nerdiness and, you know, all of the inner workings of the of systems and stuff like that, but also just even in parts of your personality and parts yeah. of, you know, parts of your ambition and all this other stuff. It was, it, 
it's been beautiful to watch the connections that you've been making have been affirming, hey, I have people, you know. Yes. And it, I am peculiar, but I do have my people. <laughs> and it has done what the science says it will do. It oh, actually has yeah. made me more innovative in my thought, more yes. those those small connections has made me like, oh, now I can think of something I hadn't thought of before. And, you know, especially my friends who think very differently than me. You know, I came from a very conservative background. Most of them came from a very liberal background. Yeah. I love that because now all of a sudden their thoughts are making me go like, oh, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. But now that makes sense. That one thing I was thinking and now I can connect it to, you know, and they're doing the same thing. And that's Yeah, the you've beauty. done a really, I, listening to some of the conversations you've had with your, uh, I would say, extremely liberal friends where you have, you know, more libertarian <laughs> thoughts, you know, that kind of stuff gets really interesting when you're explaining all of that. It's just, it's, it's been so, so fun finding my people, yeah, you know, so like, fun. you know, yeah, anyway. it's just, we all find our people more. Fun. And you have one more? Yeah. Realize the best. This is, I like this one. Okay. Ready? Okay. Realize that your best expression is tied to other people's expression. Okay. That sounds codependent. Mm -hmm. But you need other people to get to your next best thought. Wow. Okay. Can you just give us a quick unpack? Yeah. I mean, I just think like, you're not going to have the big leap aha moment. You're going to have the nudge off someone else's nudge off someone else's nudge off someone else's nudge. So based on Johnson's contention, networks generate ideas. Yes. So ideas are less of an epiphany and more of a network. A nudge within a network. Yeah. And you're not going to get there without other people's thoughts. So your expression is absolutely dependent on someone else's expression. Your thought is just a build out of someone else's thought. And that's what I love about this in the context of relationships. Mm -hmm. We need each other to get to our next adjacent possible. Yeah. We have to have each other. And the more each other's we have the more possibilities are opened up for us. There's a, um, a Buddhist monk who I appreciate, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. And I've said this before, I think in a previous podcast, but his whole thing, one of his big, you know, theological, existential, philosophical Buddhist points is this idea of interbeing mm. and how interdependent. There's no such thing as intrinsic, uh, uh, a created person. We are all born uh, interdependent. Yes. Dependent origination is what he calls it. And he's like, try being born into the world without the need for oxygen. Try to, you know, or without the need for all of these. You are not self-sustaining. No. You are completely dependent on all of these things around you, which yeah. makes you way more obviously ecological, but mm -hmm. it makes it, it, I think it has a humility to it and a beauty to it to go like, I wouldn't even be able to take a breath yeah, without all of these other factors. Yes. And I think ideas are kind of, we need to start to really look at them like that too. We are so interwoven mm -hmm. with each other in humanity Yes, that you're right. I mean, those ideas gestate, they nudge along, they're built within networks and then they amalgamate from time to time, you yep. know, into 
absolutely life-changing things. Yeah. Your but, creativity is interdependent. Yeah. Your innovation, your growth, all of those things are interdependent on the systems and networks that you're part of. And you, I remember you listened to Johnson's TED Talk and you walked away and you came home and you were like, that phrase that he says, yeah, chance I, favors the connected mind. Chance favors the connected mind. And I would put in a, in a placeholder for that too. It's love favors the connected mind. Yes. Joy, mm -hmm. you know, favors the connect. Innovation yeah. favors the connected mind. Yeah. Um, you know. We're all just Success. Yes. <laughs> favors the, you know, all of it. Your expression and the expression you want to have is absolutely dependent on the expression of those around you. I love it. What yeah. a beautiful... Uh, Beautiful discovery, babe. Thank you for this one. It's yeah, really I, this good. was a this uh, was a really great book. Like, definitely, I would we would encourage you to go read it. And I am sure that we are going to revisit this at, at certain iterations of the podcast. Yeah, there's a zillion other ideas yeah. he has in the book, and this is just a couple of them. And I probably didn't do them justice, but we'll unpack it over the next few years. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll put the link in the description, huh? Yeah. Okay. Babe, wait! <laughs> How do we end this? By saying thank you. Okay, you guys are awesome. Thank you. There's nothing more encouraging than you hitting that like button and commenting. And don't forget to subscribe. And I know there's more. You have a list. Might as well go down the list. Right. Okay. Watch the video of this podcast on our Beautiful Step YouTube channel or on our website where you can actually download transcripts and show notes of the episode. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If today's episode made your together even better, tell someone. Okay, now. Right now. Today. Okay. You can take one step. It's just one step. Toward the beautiful relationship you want in your life. You got this. <laughs>